Greetings, amigops, and top teners everywhere. This is Mike from Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I enjoy this week, as I am every week, by our fleece sweatshirted, headphoned, lamp in the cornered co-host Kyle. He is like ready to talk about some stuff. I happen to know what stuff he's going to talk about because I'm going to be talking about it myself. We're going to be discussing it, debating it vigorously. No, we're not. And then by the end of this episode, we will have a definitive top 10 list of this thing. So Kyle, what is this thing? Great. Thank you, Michael. What a fantastic introduction. I also know the topic we are discussing. We are finally doing our best albums from last year, 2020. It is now May, but here we are. The, The thing is, it took us a long time because... We got a lot of recommendations this time. Like, so many that I think we've decided that we can't actually talk about all of them. (laughs) Yep, I think we landed there. But we'll do the best that we can. Also, we're going to change the format up this year. Because each of us kind of, like, has our own list, it lends itself very conveniently into doing a draft list, which we've been doing more and more of lately. So thank you, Dill, for making this recommendation. I think it's a fantastic idea. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that was a great call. It's a very natural fit for this one. Yeah, I think so. So I, I guess uh, there's not more much more explanation than that. The album had to come out last year, uh, and that's kind of the only criteria. Them's the rules. The only other criterion is that we can't have put this on the list ourselves. Yeah. That's it. This is user-submitted, so like I didn't put... You know, the 12th re-release of the remastered version of Born to Run. Sure is not on this list. If sure. somebody suggested it, it's number one. Yeah, I got lucky because a lot of my favorite albums this year people recommended, so I'm going to get to yes. talk about them, which is great. Mm-hmm. So, there's that. So, how do you want to do it? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Are we going to do alternating? Should we snake it? Let's say I like the alternating, and I like me picking first because I want you to have the number one pick. Okay, great. Sure. No pressure. Yeah, Last no time- pressure. Last, I guess I didn't have the number one pick. I was going to say, because it was when I had the number two pick in the Bill Murray podcast that I succumbed to the pressure. I'll try not to do that again. But Jerry was pleased with your pick, which I would hope is validation enough. That does help. Yeah, it does. It really does. So uh, I got the number 10 pick. I am sort of torn between <laughs> doing uh, good radio, which is to pick something we haven't talked about a lot already <laughs> and picking with my heart and unfortunately i think i'm gonna pick uh with my heart i'm gonna pick an album we've already talked about quite a bit which i really liked i'm gonna pick evermore for number 10 yeah why not i mean come on that was submitted i i think i've got it officially listed as a dylan submission i'm trying to see our shared album list did you have anybody else mention it to you i only have dylan here okay i i'm sure it was uh submitted at least in spirit by many others. So I'm looking right now, it's got an 85 from Metacritic, which is surprising. My recollection was that Evermore was not rated as highly as another album that we might be discussing on this list. I had thought people were a little bit down on this one. Am I wrong about that? Which one is this? Which one? This is the second one. But we talked about the first one. Yeah, right. I mean, we can say because we're going to confuse ourselves. We keep saying first and second. Uh, folk- folklore was the one that we actually discussed. My impression was that folklore was better received than Evermore. That's what I thought, too. But yeah. maybe, I mean, what the hell was folklore's Metacritic then? Because Evermore is an 85. That's pretty good. 85 Let's is very f- high. Very high. Very high. Hold on. Folklore. Everybody, this is really good uh, podcast. Oh, 88. Excuse me. There wow. you go. Wow. That I would I actually now am wondering what is the record for combined metascore points in a single year for an artist. Oh, okay. That so seems- it's, it's not average. It's like it kind of rewards total production plus quality of the production. Yeah, I mean if you release more than one album, you have a huge advantage, but also like you can't just release like seven albums because the quality is going to suffer. Presumably. 
Yeah. I heard I heard a song recently on the radio by an artist who I wouldn't want to disparage, but this artist's name was Farton Scorsese. Cool. Uh, and the song was <laughs> called My Cousin Tim, and the refrain is My Cousin Tim doesn't have a butthole and he can't eat fiber. And so like that, you could release that 12 times in a year, and I suspect your combined Metacritic score will still be pretty low. Oh, low. You mean, Oh, interesting. Hmm. I w- well, I mean, it depends <laughs> on the audience. I know that those folks at Metacritic are a little bit snooty. Yeah, they might not like it. But yeah, I, I loved this album. The writing was just so terrific. I, I did, I you know, whatever, without giving, <laughs> giving away too much. It wasn't necessarily her best work of the year. But I did think in some ways it was a little bit more toned down generically. Like I thought that the genre, the sort of folky, I'm going to do my um, Simon and Garfunkel album vibes on folklore could be a little bit grating at times. And I thought that this calmed that down a bit. This was just a fantastic album. I actually didn't listen to it because I at all. No, I suspected. Well played. I suspected that we would do another podcast on it and I wanted to like wait and listen to it like intensely before we did that. And also like I didn't we remember I was like head over heels in love with folklore. So I wasn't yes. like dying to listen to it anyways. So I figured I would save it and we haven't done it yet. So I had I've not listened to this album. Wow. But, good for you. But I trust. Yeah, I thought we were going to do that, too. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Bad planning. Like, we're just bad organizers. Yeah, yes. Uh, as evidenced by our late May <laughs> yeah. end of year podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that was number 10. It's nice to space out your end of year podcast. Otherwise, they all come yes. out in January, you know? It's true, like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. Well, then I'm going to pick... Well, this is tricky, because... Like, in theory, you should just do, like, your top five. But I suspect that you'll want to... You'll probably pick some of my top five. Yeah, you got to try to pawn them off on me. I'm going to pick one. This is kind of my one like wild card pick. And I'm g- so I'm going to put it here. And I think this is an appropriate spot for it. So this uh, number nine is going to be starting over by Chris Stapleton. Mm, that is a real surprise coming from you. I know that. But the thing I was expecting, I don't know why in my head I like I had an image in my head of Chris Staple, or am I like? I'll admit, I'm not a connoisseur of country music, but and so like seeing this, I like associated Chris Stapleton as a country music artist, which I think would be a little bit too uh, too much of a simplification. Having heard this album, like there are parts like large sections of this album that really fucking rock out. Like this is like, and he's got like a very kind of southern vibe to him. Like he kind of there were certain songs that reminded me of like CCR. Like it was very kind of like bayou kind of feel to it. Well, Swamp Rock situation. Yeah, I fucking loved it. Like the song, uh, well, the title track starting over is a real banger. And then there's a, a really fun song called Arkansas. And then <laughs> before Warned, <laughs> there's a song in the middle of this album called Maggie's Song. <laughs> that was the one I was going to say, Maggie's Song. It's <laughs> like a fucking anvil. <laughs> It was brutal. It's a song about his dog who just passed away. And it's like really, really sad in the middle of an album that's like not really that sad. <laughs> so I'm that, reading the I'm reading the piece about the squirrels. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> like it should come with a warning label. Like you know how on, on Spotify or wherever, like there's a little E next to explicit songs? Like Yeah. There should be a little label that like warns you, like, warning, this song is about a dead dog. Just like has tears. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah, um it's funny, I'm with you. I when Nicole and Steve got married in twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. We were in Italy with my family and Steve's family and his dad. Had I don't know if he had just discovered Spotify or what, but he would not stop listening to Tennessee Whiskey. Sure. And we still joke about that. And then I proceeded to go to like seven weddings in a row where the first dance was to Tennessee Whiskey. And it, I mean, you know, it fits. It's a good one. And so I had this this sort of image in my head of Chris Stapleton. And I agree. This was a lot rockier and more up my alley than I thought because I... It's it's funny because I really like what country can be, but I really hate what it is. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. 
Yeah, and this was more of the can be than is, I thought. It's mixed. Like, there's some parts of yeah. the album that I didn't love because it kind of fits into, like, I think some of the the not-so-good tropes in the country music kind of genre. But the parts that I liked, I really liked. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Thank you to our friend Nate. Nate, rec- Nate recommended that one to us. Yeah, he's great at delivering medical care and looking hella fresh uh, in whatever he's wearing because he's a handsome fella. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. All right. Number eight, I would like to draft. I am going to draft Golden Hour by Kygo. So I was very, um, well, I don't want, <laughs> I want to be very clear. I wasn't skeptical of this because of Jameson, because we definitely, <laughs> are, we definitely heard his feelings when we said we were skeptical of the dig. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like I actually think we might have seriously hurt his feelings. So whoops on our on us. I was skeptical of this just because of the genre because there's so much garbage in the EDM scene. I knew that I liked Kygo, like you know, as much as I like any EDM artist. Assuming sure. I'm using the correct vernacular here. So I was a little bit, I was a little skeptical going in. I really liked this. I think. I was concerned that the whole album was going to be like the higher love track. Maybe because I think I had it on uh, shuffle when I listened. So I think that was the first one I listened to. So I really liked it. I was like, oh, I I mean, this is obviously great. You know, it's Whitney Houston. But sometimes that's what I find frustrating about this sort of music is it's just some other better artist's music with like a little bit of a do 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 do. But this was not that. It was actually really thoughtful. I really liked it. I, I I don't know really how to talk about an EDM album. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what the descriptive plot is I could offer it are. I just know I really liked it. I'm with you about that track specifically is like like among the tracks I've listened to most in the last like actually calendar year. Like it's amazing. It's actually that song specifically is just incredible. But <laughs> the problem with me with this album specifically is that it was like act like it's too good because like this is the kind of music that Allegis and I listen to when we work out like mm. and so like but no matter and we like rotate the playlist that we use but no matter what like there's always a heavy dose of of Kygo on it and a lot of it is from this album and so I'm just like really burnt out on Kygo <laughs> because yeah. it's, because it's so good like there are a lot of tracks from this album that are like scattered about on all these different playlists because they're so popular and so good. So it's like a it's a backhanded way of saying like I acknowledge how successful this album was because I've heard like this is probably uh, this album and one other one like were the album I listened to and I was like, oh, I fucking know this album. I just didn't know that it was Kygo, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And it's, it's funny as I was thinking about what I liked about this album, it's it's strange because this is I have never listened to a single track on this album at the volume it was intended to be listened at. <laughs> like so it's it's sort of like listening to ACDC on your Spotify and it's like, oh that was that was great. I really like that. You know, the 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 big balls and you know the hell's bells and whatever. But it's really I haven't had the experience until you've actually sort of like had it blow your eardrums out. Sure. So I kind of want to know what this sounds like at Michiana's Hottest Night Club, for example. <laughs> I suspect that we'll hear one or two of these songs. Oh. In like two weeks. The next time we see our friend Jabone. <laughs> oh, I hope so now. Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, is something we could probably look I was to. planning to keep it pretty uh, civil at that wedding, but... Something happens to me when I see Jameson's face and I hear this sort of music. The best laid plans. Yeah, that's what I was I was telling somebody about your mom's wedding recently, and I really <laughs> was planning to have a pretty chill night in that night, and that was not how that ended for either of us. Certainly not me. <laughs> no, not me either, or Dylan or Alicia's. <laughs> I've I have never had a small like a young child. She's not a young child anymore, but look at me with such disdain. <laughs> as claire did i'd never seen somebody look at me like my uncle did the next morning like he couldn't believe that i was alive (laughs) (laughs) he was like kyle (laughs) (laughs) he thought you were Uh, dead yep they sure did 
But anyways, at any rate, yeah, Jameson's wedding will be fun. Okay. Uh, we should probably call it Jameson and Stephanie's wedding. It's both of their weddings. Yeah. It's not just Jameson is not marrying himself. He's marrying our beloved friend, Stephanie. That's true. All right. Uh, so that was the end of the first block of this podcast. Yeah, I don't know if we... Uh, yeah, let's skip that. Yeah, I don't know if we need to do a not top three. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah, let's also just skip it just generally because we might hurt people's feelings. Well, yeah. I mean, also... Well, I don't know. There were, actually weren't that many albums I didn't like. Like, I don't think I could populate a not top three, honestly. Yeah, I don't think so. I'd one or two that I thought were kind of uninspired, but not that I disliked. Right, I didn't... Yeah, there were a couple that I didn't go back to at all, but I didn't dislike them. They just weren't really up my alley. Yeah. So we'll just mm-hmm. not mention those. All right. Number seven, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Rearrange Us by Mount Joy. So I think in general, this has become one of my like new favorite bands, but this is definitely, I would say the, the inferior of their two albums. But that being said, it's so good that I think it still belongs at least at number seven on this list. So, and it also has a special place for me because this is like the only concert I saw last year. We went and saw them. It was a drive-in concert, which like really, which sucked. Like <laughs> objectively, was like not actually that great of a music experience, mm. but it was a really fun experience nonetheless. Like it was cool to like sit on the trunk of my car. We went with uh, Elijah's Elijah's sister Talia and Talia's boyfriend Sean, and we like couldn't see the stage at all. But it was just nice to like be outside and be at like a a venue with like lots of other people and like drink and eat and just like have a good time. And so for that reason, in addition to the reason that this is just a really good album, I, this is one of my favorite albums of the year for sure. This is fascinating. The, uh, Maljoy does have a, whoops, I'm playing music in my ear. Uh, they do have a Wikipedia page, but rearrange us does not. That's, Weird. Most albums, I think, have a Wikipedia page. Yes. Yeah, this is kind of like pretty, pretty shocking, actually. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have. I actually wouldn't have believed that until I just saw that. Uh, well, yeah, this was. A, so I really like this album, too. I it sort of falls into a general category of of music that I don't typically get super into on an album. Like, I actually tend to like this sort of music live more than I like it on an album. But I thought that this was enough different. It was enough different than sort of the artists that I think have influenced Mountjoy that I found that it was it felt new and fresh in a way that I didn't expect it to. Yeah, I love that it's so like it's very, uh, you know, indie, crunchy, kind of like acoustic yeah. heavy sound. But what I love about it is that it's very jazzy. Like. <laughs> That's probably the word I I wasn't thinking. That's the right word. There was like, every time you listen, I was like, this sounds like a song I've heard the Lumineers do or whoever. And it sort of feels like they're trying to rip them off. But they're not. They're doing something different enough. And you're right. I think jazzy is the right word for what's different about them. It's very jazzy. It's piano heavy. It's like, it's, it's quick, but I don't have any like fast songs, but it's more, it's mostly quick. And I just, I love the writing. Like, the, the range of things that they write about and sing about are, are fantastic. And like, also just like weird. Like there's an, there's a song on this album, like a Christmas song. That's like, like super depressing, just like way out of the box. And like, like if you're going to include a Christmas song on an album like this, it's weird in the first place, but then to have it be as like utterly depressing as, as it is, it's just like a whole nother level of strangeness. But I'm looking at the YouTube picture for every holiday, which is the song you're talking about. And yeah. I don't know if this is actually their video. It looks like it is. Hold on. Hold on. I'm stalling for time. Hold on. Is Please, the, hold oh, on. this? Yes, that is theirs. Hmm. And it is a very strange photo of like what appears to be a person in red and a fish. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I never watched the video, but th- this album is full of really great songs. Like, the title track is good. Uh, a couple other great songs, Bug Eyes, Acrobats. I think the, my favorite song on the album was one called Strangers. It's just a ton of fun. So I, I think, so Talia and Sean both recommended this album. And then also my friend Gina, independently of them. So a lot of recommendations for this album. 
Well, I also think you touched on it without actually touching on it there it, with Strangers being one of your favorite tracks in the album. This felt like an album that was intended to be listened to as an album, which I think we've talked to in the past as being something that is sometimes lacking. But this actually felt like it coherently built towards something in a way that was really enjoyable. Yeah, I I loved it. And I want to reiterate that saying this is my second favorite of their two albums is in no way intended to be a slight. Their first album is really, really fantastic. So thank you. Thank you, Tally and Sean, for introducing me to Mount Joy. <laughs> they were like, because I hadn't really, I mean, I'd heard of them, but they like very actively wanted to see Mount Joy and they like wanted to bring two more people along to defray the cost of a car's entry into the concert. And so they were like very actively trying to get me and Allegis into it, which it was easy to do because all I had to do was listen once and I was in. It is really nice. This is what's so special about this list is it's all of us getting to share stuff that's special and, and enjoyable to us with each other. And like the fact that I now legitimately love Lord Huron and will be seeing them when they come to Boston. It's something that I miss from our time together in college. Like I miss making fun of Dylan's music and then finding out I actually liked Dylan's music. Like, that was an experience that the three of us had together a lot. And it was very fun. And, like, I remember going to concerts with Dylan in college and, like, making fun of him as I was enjoying it. Right. <laughs> and so it's nice to be able to do that, you know, through this. Yeah, it is nice. I like that. All right. Um. So I, I, I feel boring, but I have to do it. I This is, I think, the right spot for folklore. I think folklore was the sixth best on our list. So go back to uh, episode, insert episode number here. Episode 129. To listen to our full thoughts on folklore. But I thought folklore has a special place on the 2020 list because of what it meant to the year. Like with within the context of the album itself, I, I thought it was terrific and I think it was... Taylor Swift, and I'm going to repeat like the phrases that everybody said. It's her most mature work yet. It's her most stripped down work yet. Like, it's all the bullshit that people said about it was actually true. And I agree with those assessments. I think that the popular opinion was right. It actually was her just going back to being a very good writer whose kind of musical flourishes were less important than the core of her writing. So that all was great. Like, the actual album I, I thought was terrific. Uh, I hated i'm looking at the tracking list right now i hated the last great american dynasty but otherwise really loved this album i feel like i'm really bothered by that song <laughs> but it was a really good it was a really good album but i think it was more importantly a guide to what sort of a shared cultural experience in the pandemic could be because at the beginning we were clearly just sort of striving to find something we could all like watch or listen to together and uh, it was this and Tiger King, and then it was our country falling apart, and then it oh, was... Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And then it was us being like, oh, this is over. <laughs> but in the middle there, there was some stuff that we all sort of agreed was actually pretty great, and I think this was the first thing we all genuinely got on board with. It was weird to have people rooting for Taylor Swift again, because I think people had gotten pretty tired of her, and that she came out with such an earnest, again, throwing out another word that every reviewer said about her, like throw, she had such an earnest album that I'm sure she wrote well in advance. I don't, I'm actually not sure. I think this is documented either way, but like, I'm sure she didn't just like crap this album out on a Tuesday because she was bored in the pandemic, but it sort of felt like she did. And it felt like a really nice reflection of what we were all going through. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't considered it in that way, but it was it was at a time where we were kind of like starving for communal experiences other than like we all like believe that like this sucks right now. Like there was very few like positive communal experiences. And so it was like regardless of how you felt about the album, you had feelings about the album. And so like you were talking about it probably, which was a nice change of pace. <laughs> It sort of didn't matter, right? Like yeah. like I said, I happen to have quite liked this album. I think I liked it more than you based on our discussion during the episode. But it meant something to both of us. And when you think back to sort of what are the definitive albums of a year or an era, it's the it's the albums that meant something to people more than the ones that like the diehard fans loved. 
like Vida Noir is a, is an album that I'll think about for a long time as an album I love and you love and Dylan loves and whatever. But like, I can promise that will not be an era defining album because not enough people have an opinion about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good call. I like that. I mean, it would be weird to talk about 2020 albums and not talk about folklore. I think. Yeah. Uh, greed. And I don't want Caroline last name redacted, not my, our Caroline. Yeah. Uh, no. Our other Caroline to beat me up. We'd be in deep shit. Oh yeah. All right. Number five, baby. All right. Now I have to do some, some choosing. Yeah, you got to do some guessing. Yeah. I got, I, I'm, I would be surprised if my two picks are not obvious. I suspect I know at least one. So I'm going to leave that out and, and count on you to help me out. I'm going to pick, it seems low, but I'm still going to do it here. I'm going to pick at number five, Chromatica by Lady Gaga. You're safe. You're safe. You're safe. Okay. Don't worry. So you'll get, you'll get everything you needed. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Chromatica, I, I, I don't know what the world's perception of this album was. Like my, my understanding is that I think at least in my circles, of Lady Gaga fandom, of which there are many in my life, that everyone was kind of hoping for more, like Joanne Lady Gaga and more A Star Is Born Lady Gaga. You know, more earnest, like yeah. a, a more <clears throat> like a more pared down version of Lady Gaga that like really showcases just her like like what an incredible musician and vocalist she is, and for that reason, I <laughs> I really loved this album because it's unapologetically in your face like pop star music like that's what it is from start to finish and it's like down to the like the people like elton john is on this album like ariana grande is on this album like it's big hitters and it's just like non-stop bangers from start to finish like there's there aren't any songs on this album that i don't love <laughs> and it really reminds me of like fame monster era lady gaga when she was just like the like the world's hugest pop star and that's what this album reminded me of and i fucking loved it so much <laughs> yeah i couldn't agree more with everything you said it's funny i was thinking about this album when it came out in the context of a similar i think a similar artist's career kanye west i mean i think lady gaga is a much more sane and admirable person personally. But I think from a career perspective, they're similar in that they're really talented technicians who are sometimes overshadowed by how overproduced they can be. And so I think this album reminded me a lot of Yeezus, which was sort of after that period where people said, you know, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was like, Every every white person's favorite rap album of all time. <laughs> and so then Jesus comes out and you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like he's singing a song called I'm in it and it is a is a pussy. Sure. And it's like it's just something about sweet and sour sauce and it's like a very racist, disgusting line. And you're like, what is happening on this album? But you're like, man, I can't stop listening to this song. And then there's Born 2, and it's parodied by, I think it was James Franco and Seth Rogen, like, bouncing up and down on top of each other, nude on a bike. Like, it was just, a, <laughs> it was, like, almost self-parody, but it was incredibly admirable self-parody. And I think this album reminded me a lot of that. It was just Lady Gaga, no Joanne, None of that shit. We're just absolutely going for it every track. And I don't know. I there was I admire the crap out of Yeezus. It's not as good of an album, I guess, as my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But it means something in his career that I I hope it doesn't mean the same thing to her career, because if this if she's following the same trajectory, we're getting her gospel album soon. And I sure hope we don't get that. I I suspect that we're not gonna get a gospel album. But I think like the next album will probably be like something more in the middle. But to me, this was a statement of like, don't forget, like, this yeah. is kind of what I am. And yeah, <laughs> or what or maybe maybe not what I am, but like <laughs> what I want to be 
like it just felt like it was a very intentional kind of zag in her career. And it, it felt like to me like a, a pretty like clear choice on her part, which I really like I I and I don't have like as much of an affinity for like the Joanne part of her career. So I didn't experience any disappointment whatsoever. I was just like, shit, this whole album rocks. So I loved it. I like every fucking track is I'd love like I wrote I, I started writing out all the tracks I liked on it. And then I stopped because it was like actually every one. But my favorite that I think is an underrated track. I think it's the last track on the album is called Babylon. And it's gloriously weird, like really strange. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at this and the, there's not a song longer than four minutes and four seconds. And it's the Elton John track. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's a person who came to work that no, day. No, it's like, pat, 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 yeah. you know? Yeah, and you're so right about the zagging, too. Like, she's somebody who has such a carefully cultivated and confusing and layered public image. Like, she's sort of like Andy Kaufman. Like, everything sort of feels like it could be a stunt. Yeah. And so, I love, I love that you watch this and you listen to this and you're like, was this her like you were saying is this her doing what she is is this her doing what she wants to be or is this her doing what she thinks we want to be and that's the joke and you're like you twist yourself in a knot and you're like oh man that song was absolutely awesome yeah ultimately it doesn't matter and i think i think we're kind of all like on the same page that like she's probably like one of the very greatest artists we have in our, our generation like i think we're gonna I mean, look who's a bigger and better artist who will live on longer than her i I don't know. I don't know. But I think, like, it's not going to be one of those things where we realize it later. Like, I think we're all kind of aware of it right now. And so I just want to make sure that we're, uh, as a podcast, acknowledging what's happening here. <laughs> so. Yep. I'm that's chrom- that is Chromatica. Yep. All right. Next one is I'm going to pick the one of the tracks that, or one of the albums I'm sure you were thinking of. Uh, I will pick Imploding the Mirage. I think that's just, this is the perfect spot for it. I think so too. It's not number one, but I think, I think it's the album that, what the hell was their last album called? Now I'm forgetting. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. That that wanted to be. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so much better than wonderful, wonderful. And I think the reason it's better is that I'm not just going to it to listen to the man. (laughs) And I, like that's the best thing I can say about it is it's just it's just an album that does all of the stuff that they do best like musically very creative but in subtle ways yeah which I always really loved about about their sound was that it was it could be really outsized at times but it was more like this is gonna kind of sound like the cars this is kind of gonna sound like 90s kind of soft rock but we're gonna do something like just a little subtly different and i think this does that really well and they're also just really great i mean it's brandon flowers more than i i don't know anybody else in that band it's like great at writing devastatingly sad really beautiful songs and this album does that just right yeah they're so well like they kind of like, like actually couldn't tell you what like most of these tracks are about actually yeah it's but just, they're about sadness yeah but they kind of like convey this like weird like i don't know like it's, it's sadness but it's like this weird like forlornness it's like yeah it's like weird kind of like western american like not aesthetic because yeah. the wrong word obviously based on the medium but like it's just this general vibe that i love so much and like i i think one thing I love about this album is that it has a couple of like really like catchy and poppy like singles that a lot of their like wonderful wonderful had the man but like yeah. they're pre- like uh what's the Battleborn like yeah I love Battleborn but like it's hard to point to a track on that album that like people know and I don't know like like there are a lot of tracks on that album that I love a lot I don't know how many are gonna end up on their greatest hits but like there are like at least three songs on this album that are like among their best i think like caution probably is the song i listen to more than any song this year i fucking love caution and it's and it's funny because what i think they did really well on this one is their hits were still good songs like the man is the man is a great 
like it's a fun song i i love that song but it's not a it's not a good killer song it's like a good somebody else's song whereas like caution is like a great killer song and it's cool that that's a single that stands like it works as a single but it also works as like a really good song yeah i i I love this album it's so fucking good i like i felt like i was being a homer by wanting to put it number one and i think that four is actually kind of the right spot for it because also like it's not it's also not anything revolutionary right like it's kind of the killers as we've come to know them like they've like i think they've really settled into like what they are and like i think they've gotten they've moved past the phase the day and age phase where people like what the fuck and like that's that's kind of just like what the killers are now and it's i love it so yeah i'm reading i'm i'm reading the lyrics to my favorite song when the dreams run dry that was my favorite song from the album and um it's just it's just so simple and and it, the, like the visuals that they conjure are very simple but relatable and it's they sort of fit in with a palette that they've created throughout their whole career but also feel they so they feel familiar enough but they feel new enough that it still works they're just you're right they know who they are that thing that was a great way of describing it they told they they know who they are and it seems like they're kind of finally comfortable and if they give us three more of these this album I'll be incredibly pleased. And I don't, I mean, I'm, I kind of want them to experiment, I guess, because their experiments typically work, but I'm okay if they decide to settle into this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Give me more of this. All right. Great pick. I think uh, I got that from a Gina, both Gina and brother-in-law of the pod, Ian. I recommended that one. Yeah. That's who I see. All right. So with number three, (laughs) <laughs> I'm curious about your thoughts on this album. Uh, I'm going to pick Dreamland by Glass Animals. This one came to us from Dylan. And actually, it sounds like it actually originally came from Tatum. Uh, I found out later on. I gave this one uh, a six. So it was like kind of middling. Yeah, I... <laughs> I Because it's so... I think that this album has potential to be divisive. Which is why I'm putting it at three, but I think in my heart of hearts, it's probably number one for me. Like, I listened to this album the first time through while playing Rocket League, which was <laughs> which was the which was the perfect place to listen to it. <laughs> so, like, it really fits that aesthetic. And then I listened to it like a hundred more times. And part of the reason I think I like it so much is because many of those times was with Dylan. Like, Dylan and I drove out to visit Quinn. And uh, it was like a like a two and a half, three hour drive both ways. And we listened to this album like for a lot of it. And then a couple weekends later, we went skiing and this was playing a lot that weekend. And so like it's been very concentrated in my life. And a lot of that time has the Venn diagram of the times I've listened to this album and the time I've been with Dylan. It's a lot of overlap. And so, yeah, see, this is this is the, the secret ingredient. Yeah. So like my personal experience with this album was fantastic, but I do also think that objectively this album like is very like I said it'll be divisive, but it hit a lot of my buttons. And so I, I would say the closest comparison I can make is it reminds me of like it, it sounds like a Foster the People album, I would say. I was going to say uh who sings all the other kids? Is that MGMT? Is that who that Yeah. Yeah, well, they're, those are, those two are like kind of the same band, anyways. So that's like that's exactly. Oh no, that is Foster the People. Oh, it is. Okay, well, there you go. Oh, okay, so that's the same band. Yes, yeah. that's so, that's who this reminds me of. So we're kind of on the same page then. Yeah, it's like, but it's like kind of, it's like it's like it's like Foster the People, but mix it with like some rapping sensibilities and like like take their lyrics and just like explode them and make them really fucking weird and make it like really referential and like speed it up a little bit even and you've got like kind of a good idea of what dreamland was like (laughs) it's It's a good description i was just reading one of the reviews and it describes them as a self pastiche which (laughs) i liked you said referential but i think that it's it's sort of the it's a little bit of the uh tranquility base like throw a ton of references in there yes like a lot but they're like they're weird references like like Pokemon and like Scooby Doo Push Pops and Mr. Miyagi and Space Ghost, like just like the most 
eclectic. Like I love Space Ghost. Sure, <laughs> who doesn't? But like, it's weird to reference him in a song. Yeah, uh, that's and, true. And, ma- and name a track Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Like this is like I would say there's a greater than fifty percent chance that you listen to this album and you're like not really pleased with it at all and are kind of upset at me for recommending it but for those of you that that listen to this and and like it you're probably gonna love it i don't think there's gonna be a lot of people that were well i guess you were you gave it a six right i I would say i i think to be fair this is an album i didn't let's just say i listened to it once and i moved on (laughs) but i but i think but i think it's an it's a it's an album that probably deserved more than that even if i was going to turn out to not like it i probably i i think i probably it deserved for me to give it a like a one or a ten like a stronger opinion i think my score probably is indicative of it not getting as enough brain space you know what i mean sure if you're okay so go back listen to it again but pay particular attention to heat waves is like kind of the the banger that like probably is i would say probably the most popular song on the album because it slaps <laughs> it's no not, cap no cap yeah, at all no, no cap. actually yeah so no. but and, i mean rightfully so like it's it's a it's a heater and then tokyo drifting i think was among my favorites it's like a, a weird like slow intro but then like really speeds up into like a cool kind of rap album or rap track and then my very favorite song is called Tangerine. And it's just like this. It's like Foster the People mixed with JT. Like it's just like very uh, poppy and falsetto-y. And I fucking love it. I listen to that song quite a bit. Tangerine. So I like that reference. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Dylan and Tatum, for bringing this into my life and for listening to it so much with me. Thank you. I'm looking at a, a list of lyrical references on this album. There's that a is lot. Something. Yeah. The very first, uh, I think the first line of Tangerine is... Uh, I'll read you the list of references. Memorex, Kodachrome, Ice Cream Sandwiches, Mr. Miyagi, Ramen Noodles, Friends, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, Grand Theft Auto, Dr. Dre, Doom, Quake, The Geo Metro, Pokemon, Bottle Rockets, Dunkaroos, Capri Sun, Kickball, GoldenEye 007, Hot Pockets, Street Fighter, <laughs> Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Pete Tong, G.I. Joe, Air Force Ones, Aquamini, <laughs> Pepsi Blue, I forgot about that, Scooby-Doo, Fruit Loops, and The Price is Right. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Yep. But the the ver- the first two lines on that song t- that track Tangerine go as cold as an old ice cream sandwich. Oh, as folks as focused as Mr. Miyagi, you poke at your phone posting aerial photos of you and your smoothie. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and it, it it goes from there. It's just like it's just like it's fu- it's really fun to listen to it the, the first time through and just be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, and what's like, happening? And then reading the lyrics and like having no clarity on what's happening is another pleasant experience. So you're welcome. Depending, or I'm so- depending welcome, on what's perspective. <laughs> you're welcome or I'm, or I'm sorry, depending on how you feel about this album. Um, I'm curious what your number one is going to be, uh, because my number two is unsurprisingly after hours by the weekend interesting and assuming that's what you thought i was going to come up with i actually didn't know what you were going to pick i'm kind of surprised that this was your your pick for this high up on the list uh yes so i'm a huge fan of the weekend well documented on this pod uh and this was in my opinion his best album it's the i think it's the best pop album I've heard in a couple years, at least. I'm not like a real connoisseur of pop music, so I'd have a hard time ranking that list. But I know for me, for my ear, like true pop that's not venturing too far into genre territory, like not pop rock, not pop country, not pop electronica, not pop slash anything, just like pop. This is just pop, traditional pop music. I don't think I've heard a better album uh, of pure pop in a long time. I so like the hits. It's funny because I'm looking at the the list and I suppose I'll talk about the non hits because I really loved a lot of the non hits, but the hits were insane, like insanely good how good the hits were. So yeah, too late, hardest to love, scared to live. 
Snow Child, Heartless, Faith, Blinding Lights, In Your Eyes, Save Your Tears, After Hours, and Until I Bleed Out are all clickable songs on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Like, typically an album would have two to three of those, and several of those were just... You, I couldn't stop listening to them. Like, I just couldn't stop listening. They're so catchy and such traditional pop songs. And every other album, every other song in the album was also fantastic. And it's it's the same stuff. Like, if you don't like The Weeknd because you're sick and tired of hearing a guy, like, say, I, I fucked another girl in a stall while I was doing cocaine and I'm lonely, but I'm famous and lonely. Like, <laughs> then you're like, all right, that's not my thing. Like, I don't want to hear about that. I respect that. That's a perfectly valid opinion. I happen to be into that particular uh, lyrical mode, and I think he does it better than anybody. I okay. I will say that for that, like this is the like I think the best version of it. But I th- yeah, my impression was that I I my read on it was that it seemed like he was trying kind of hard, and like that's not to say that like the hits are are like incredible hits. Yeah, but I just thought it at certain points like it kind of. Jumped out of me is like it kind of took me out of the moment and like, but and by that I mean I think that like when he is at his best, he doesn't need to like do some of the stuff that he does and it felt kind of weird and like like I also don't know like how experienced he is with like having sex because I thought like, <laughs> like there's a lot of this album that's like trying to be sexy and just like is it not. <laughs> like at all (laughs) it's an interesting question you raise an interesting point he's definitely experienced with having sex with adam sandler's girlfriend from uncut gems that's for sure (laughs) although she denies it i'm pretty sure that he's experienced that he is interesting because i find it's funny because i think he was like known as a panty dropper was like his reputation coming up and (laughs) Like, my panties go up when he sings, but my, like, (laughs) my sort of, I kind of want to cry into my bowl of Cheerios, that works. Like, that's the level on which he works for me. Yeah, I agree. And, like, I actually liked those parts of the album a lot. It was when he was, like, trying to do, like, some of this other stuff that I was, like, kind of turned off. Like, there's (laughs) there's this song, Escape from L.A., which, like, is actually, like, kind of a beautiful song about, like, (laughs) wanting to escape la but then like in the middle of it there's just like this weird like and it's also kind of just funny to hear like his lyricism and his voice sometimes where he's like i had sex in the studio but nobody walked in and it was like (laughs) that was and then it was and then like that's it like they move on it's like like, that was funny and then like just some of the like some of the lines are just silly like we had sex in the studio, and nobody wanted to cut my verse, and then she popped it for me. Me, only girls don't look the like, same. Yeah, it's like a it's like a guy that's like heard a song about sex and is like, yes, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Or like, there's another line in the song "Heartless." <laughs> so much pussy, it be falling out the pocket. Like, I don't Ugh. know. Like, <laughs> like, what does that mean? I don't know. But I think, but so this is the this is the like Lady Gaga argument where I think. That that's the weekend and not whatever whatever Tesfaye his la- his actual name is what's his name Abel Tesfaye yeah. like I think he would tell you like Nah man I have regular sex with the regular ladies and I does like I do it right <laughs> and then he's like but like the weekend is the douchey alter ego who's got pussy falling out the pocket but those lines get blurred. <laughs> I, well, I think, I'm not so sure. Well, there are some lines where it's it's both simultaneously, where it's like that's yeah. a cool line, but also what the fuck, like in Snow yeah. Child when he says, "Futuristic sex, give her that Philip K. Dick." That's so. That's my favorite song <laughs> off the album. Um, that's not my favorite line. It's mine, that's but it's all. But I was gonna say, but it's also my favorite line. That line is. Fire. Like, which other rapper yeah. is referencing yeah. Philip K. Dick in a song? <laughs> but yeah. anyways, the, the point is that, like, I would say this this album, like, kind of, like, just missed my, like, where I would consider have picking it on my own for this list. Yeah. Like, I, I, I did really like it. And, like, a couple of the songs are just, like, insanely good. Yeah. And I've listened to a lot of it, especially with Ian. Like, we, we'll play a lot of The weekend when we play games together. So, like, there's that it has that for me so i don't i i know it sounds like i'm kind of 
trashing this album. I want to make it clear I'm critiquing it. I'm not trashing it. Like, I really liked it. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it so much. Yeah, damn right. All right, now I want to know. What's uh, what's number one, baby, baby? I was very surprised. I, I shouldn't say surprised, but, like, given what I know about this album or this band, I was surprised at how much I liked it. Um, this one was recommended to us by our good friend Alex. It's The New Abnormal by The Strokes, which I realize... <laughs> how this looks because i think like the strokes in general kind of have this reputation of like it's cool to like the strokes yes which i acknowledge and like i i understand and i i i hope that i'm able to come across come across as like fitting into that group squarely but also just like really appreciating this album for what it is which is like i would say stacks up really well with like, the stuff that made the Strokes so fucking cool in the first place. Yep. I think the good thing is, I think you're safe, because I think that the period of time when it was cool but also douchey, but cool but douchey to love the Strokes has passed. And I think now you're allowed to just have your own feelings. I think, yeah, I think probably you're right that like we're in that phase now. That's one of the advantages of having waited so long to do this podcast, I guess. But, like, yeah. I, when this album came out, it was, like, it was kind of a big deal. And, like, it was popular to have an opinion on it, I think. It, yes. it's we, we talk about this this a lot, where, like, things become so... Things become underrated, at which point they become incredibly overrated. And then, like, somehow they kind of, like, swing back. Like, they somehow then become underrated again. And I think that's how I would classify this album, like... There were, I, I, there were like a couple tracks I didn't absolutely love. I guess I would say, but there were four or five on this album that just like are incredible fucking songs. Like my favorite was "Eternal Summer." The other two that you probably have heard if you've heard any off this album are "The Adults Are Talking," which is the first track. Uh, another one called "Selfless," and then the last track is a really cool song called "Ode to the Mets." I um, was gonna say I have a feeling I can guess which one. <laughs> I love that track and uh, one thing i liked about this album was and i didn't realize that they were like such a new york band but i like how new yorky this album felt and i really like that alex recommended it to us because he's a new yorker now or like at least is living in new york i don't know like how long you have to live there to become like a new yorker but i think it's cool that he lives he has to live somewhere about five minutes to become a whatever -er. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's his thing specifically. And so, like, the fact that he recommended it, I really liked. And I don't know. I listened to this album. I've said this for a lot of these. But, like, I've really listened to this a lot since. And I hadn't listened to it really when it first came out. And so my, my the bulk of my experience with it came recently. And, and like, this is this is my kind of music. Like, this is, like, right, right in my wheelhouse. And so it was, like, it. it it was like right in the right in the sweet spot for me, which is why I have it at number one. Well, it's funny. I did a little bit of a, a strokes like let's go through their top songs thing when uh, Star Treatment came out because Alex Turner says I just wanted to be one of the strokes. And I was like, I know that band, but I've never really listened to them. So I listened to a bunch of their like hits and I was like, I like this. That was good. But like I wasn't I didn't love it. I don't know what it was, if it was just like the mood, but I really enjoyed this album in a way that I, and I, th as I'm thinking about it, I think it was listening to like an album rather than just like selecting hits. I found that to be sort of a struggle with some bands that I'm trying. I find that like bands that I'm trying to like, because I was trying to like the strokes. I didn't love them because I think I was trying and just like picking the songs that other people had liked rather than discovering yeah. them on their own merits. And this felt a little bit more like discovering this band that makes a lot of sense for me to like on its own merits. Yeah, I would also say that it it functions really well as an album. Like, the best songs on this album, like, I don't think actually function that well independently. But when you listen to it straight through, like, I mean, that's kind of their thing. They've got this kind of, like, monotonous, like, like very subdued kind of tone to them, which yeah. when like their songs are kind of like put back to back you the the differences become more clear whereas if yeah. you were to listen if you were to pick and choose you'd be like this kind of sounds the same to me which i think is a fair critique but yeah i i, I loved it yep 
Completely. Great pick. I think it's a it's an appropriate pick for us at number one. And I think compliments a very I mean, don't get me wrong, nobody's gonna be confused. This was a list made by a couple of twenty something yeah. white dudes. That's <laughs> that will not be in dispute. But uh I think it's it's diverse enough within that uh sort of bucket of non diversity. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Can I, maybe we should each list, because I don't want to go through all the albums we didn't talk about, but I were, I would say a handful of songs that I have taken away from this experience that even if like the whole album necessarily wasn't my favorite, like this, there were a couple of songs that I just fucking loved. Mm-hmm. So it might be a good way to mention a couple of these albums very quickly. One is Keep On Dancing by uh, Oh Wonders off of their home tapes EP. I was surprised that didn't that album didn't make it higher. I liked that one. The, I think my problem is that I loved the EP, but it was like four songs, and I didn't yeah. really love the album. Oh, um, good point. Yeah, I was confusing the two. Yep. So that, but that song, that "Keep on Dancing" song, is like <laughs> very sad, but you wouldn't know it by listening to it. It's really good. Not a great album. The Slow Rush by Tame Impala. Did not like that one. But borderline, I thought. Like, that song, I really like. It's one of the few songs that I, like, really go back to from that album. And then, I, everyone's heard this song a million times, including me, but I didn't, like, actually listen to it until I listened to the album, Body Like a Back Road off of Southside. I, like, once I realized that it was not actually about, like, a... I never knew the name of the song. Like, it's pretty obvious that it's not about an actual back road. But once I like <laughs> saw the title and like realized what the song actually was, I like really loved it, and I just love this line. I'm gonna take it slow, just as fast as I can. Like I just, I fucking love that. That's a great line. Is this is it is Sam Hunt the Sam Hunt is not the artist that Mike likes, right? No, that's shoot. We talked about that album last year. Yeah. What the fuck? Hold on, let me find it because it's. I really like this album. Uh, I liked it a lot. It was not what I was expecting. Luke Combs is the one that. Luke Combs, was. that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. I I I really like this album. I really like Downtown's Dead. That was a that's a song that I felt like it sort of feels like a a country Bruce Springsteen song to me, which yeah. is high praise from me. That really is. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was just a great insight from Sam Hunt, assuming he wrote the song that. It really was easier to break up with people in the 90s. <laughs> like, Yep. Even if that song's not very good, like that's just a great insight. So anyways, those are a couple of songs that I really loved from albums that didn't quite make it onto my list. Yeah, I want to make sure that Ian knows that I quite enjoyed yet another Logic album from him. GP4 was yes. a particular favorite of mine from uh, the No Pressure album. This was just a little bit of Taylor Swift kind of stealing some thunder here. I'm feeling like she needed to get both albums on the list. But on a typical year, I think No Pressure would have been my 10 or 8 pick because that was great. I mean, Logic is just, he's just so consistent. And Ian has been on that that bandwagon for a long time. I also want to mention uh, Dua Lipa. Yes. <laughs> so mostly because I, she is, uh, she is an absolute babe. No question. I don't really care for her music much, and I didn't really like this album. <laughs> but I like looking at her because I think she's attractive. Well, very I, actually, I would say. I didn't love the album, but I like was shocked that I knew like every fucking song on it. Like I, like Dua Lipa for me is the new Flo Rida, where it's like, oh fuck, <laughs> every single song is a Dua Lipa song. It turns out, and yeah. Also, it's a very horny album. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's an album that I would I would like to have performed for me privately. Well, I was gonna say like knowing like my like my deep attraction for Dua Lipa like really flavored the album for me. Like it yeah. was pleasant experience. Good so, lord, I'm on her Wikipedia page. She who, really is something to look at. My who, goodness, who recommended that album to us? Uh, Lilster, I have written, which I think is uh, Lily, who is Claire's friend, I believe. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm almost certain. I could have, I could, it's possible I'm making that up. So, well, thanks, Lilster. Mm hmm. 
a last shout out is I feel I feel bad because I specifically reached out to Sean for his favorite albums, and we did get Mount Joy on here, but he recommended several other really fantastic albums that just missed the cut for me. One of which was uh, Big Sean. It was a really good album. Oh wait, that's not on my list for some reason. I really liked that album. I was surprised at how much I liked that album. Me too. It was really. Why good. did I not? That was not on my list. It was on your list, which is the one I should have been referencing. Yeah, I may have put it on there late because I texted Sean late. No, yeah. but I you didn't you weren't too late. That's a terrific album. It's really good. Hold on, I want to just pull up the track list so I can get like one or two album, uh, songs that I really liked. Oh, I know it's it's probably a lame pick because it's the one that features Post Malone, but Wolves was really good. <laughs> it's probably like the lame pick that yeah. I would have been expected to make, but like that was a really good one. Well, it was such a cool album because like there were songs like that, and then there were like I thought like I was surprised at like how introspective and kind of like forward thinking a lot of these songs were. Like how awesome was the the interlude story with Dave Chappelle? It was so cool. Uh, it was like I, so cool. I didn't I was like, what is happening? I was driving to my house. I was like, what's what's going on right now? And I was like, that is this story was a, incredible. It was a really good story. And then yeah. like, like really well told with like kind of a fun twist ending. And like yeah. I, I I I don't know. Like I I was like really I really, really considered putting that on the list. I want Sean to realize how much I loved it. And the other one that he recommended that I also really loved was a really fucking weird, quirky eclectic album called infinitely ordinary by the rex which i'm just not used to hearing kind of like alt music like that nowadays so it was fun i really like both of those so thank you sean yeah you hit most of them just looking through to see if there's anything we missed yeah i think you you hit them all really cool that was great what a great list yeah nice draft there's a lot nicely done there's a lot of music that i wouldn't have known Yep. Or I wouldn't have gotten into sufficiently if it weren't for this list. So as it's usual, good because it builds some trust, right? Like you, you say, okay, this is a person I know and like, I'm going to at least listen to the whole album. Yeah. Yep. 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 So that was great. So thank you. As usual, we're the big winners in this exercise. So I guess now it's just time to recap and get out of here. Yeah, no doubt. You want to recap us? Sure. I'll do it. At number 10, we have Evermore by Taylor Swift. Number nine, Starting Over, Chris Stapleton. Number eight, Golden Hour by Kygo. Number seven, Mount Joy's Rearrange Us. Number six, T-Swizzle's Folklore. Number five, Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Number four, Imploding the Mirage, The Killers. Number three, Dreamland, The Glass Animals. Number two, After Hours by The Weekend. And number one, The New Abnormal by The Strokes. So thank you, everybody. What a delight that was. What a delight. Thank you to all of you, especially those of you who sent like nine albums. We're looking at you, <laughs> Gina <laughs> Dillon, Ian, at all. <laughs> they were all fantastic. Uh, all right. I guess now is when we'll do thank yous and wrap up. So, of course, I always thank Kevin McLeod for our Not Top 3 and intro music. Even though you didn't hear the Not Top 3 music, you know it's stanky. And you know that the intro and outro music is equally as stinky. So thank you, Kevin. If, if Kevin plays the Not Top 3 music and nobody's there to hear it, it does still collect no royalty. So thank you, Kevin. <laughs> you're a good man. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't realize we were going to get into philosophy. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, uh, my second set of thank yous always goes to my sister, Aaron, who put our artwork together, which I do so love very much so thank you aaron and again if you want to see more of aaron's talents which are not limited to just podcast art in fact they're extremely varied uh the the place to do that is at sant design and that's on instagram one might even argue they're not just limited to instagram or uh, podcast art but they're limited by podcast art yeah and you should look you should look at all of her other many wonderful stylings it's all really so good thank thank you to aaron for being great and mm-hmm. for exerting a slow, relentless, positive influence on your wonderful brother, Kyle. So thank you for that. You've done a really wonderful job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in other news, I'd like to thank our slow, wonderful... What were the other adjectives I used to describe, Aaron? Uh, all those things. Director of social media, Caroline Labranti. My beautiful, beautiful wife. She's done a wonderful job keeping us on course 
and leading all of the efforts with our social media pages, including the effort to collect all of this information via our Instagram account at top10km, with the 10 spelled out T-E-N. You can check out her personal stuff on her Instagram, which is Caroline Giuliano Photography or something like that. I can't keep up with it. You should check it out. And while you're at it, you should check out our other social media platforms, including our Facebook. Eh, maybe take a pass on that. But shoot us an email on our Gmail, top10km at gmail.com with a 10, also spelled out T-E-N. Tell us all the wonderful things you would have done if you were hosting this podcast or topics you want to discuss or tell us you'd like to be booked on this podcast. We need some guests. We'll book you. And finally, before I go, I know you're listening to us on some sort of podcast app, but if you're looking for another one, you can check us out on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So Kyle, that's all I got to say, baby. That's it. Until next time, stay focused like Mr. Miyagi. Yes. (laughs) And totally straight up do it like the weekend. Yeah. In the studio, don't get caught. Ah. (laughs) All right. See you.